0: And Budic Podcast starts right now.
1: Hello everybody and welcome into another episode of the Asman and Budic Show. I'm Jake Asman, joined alongside with Dan Budic. Big show in store, lots to get to. It's hard to believe that spring training is finally nearing the end, Dan. We're heading into another baseball season. As a Met fan, you're excited, pumped up. Mets open up against the Royals in a rematch of the 2015 World Series. Yankees, well, they get a rematch of their own. They're going to play the Houston Astros an opening day at Yankee Stadium. So that means Dallas Keuchel will go up against Masahiro Tanaka in a rematch of the one-game wildcard playoff, which, you know, if you listen to the show, you understand I was at that game. Yankees lose, get a speeding ticket on the way back, driving back to Ithaca from the Bronx the next day. Wasn't a good 24-hour stretch for myself. And then, oh, yeah, I failed an economics exam the very minute I got back but you know the Yankees start a new season as I just said the Mets open up a new season and you know for the Mets really no big controversy all spring training then all of a sudden Matt Harvey has this health scare the blood clot not too serious in the end but now the Mets are gearing up Harvey will be ready for opening night and the Mets are ready to start the new season and thankfully too you know the
0: health scare a lot of people didn't know what was going to be of that if he was going to be able to make that opening day start on Sunday night but fortunate enough for the Mets, just a bladder infection. They they took care of that, but it was a big scare going into the, the start of the season. The last thing the Mets needed was Matt Harvey to be out for any significant amount of time, you know, especially with him mm-hmm. being, uh, you know, the the guy on that staff that has got pesky attitude, that hard worker, you know, that, that, that attitude that he's going to go out there every fifth day and, and pitch for the Mets and not having him with all the positive momentum at the beginning of the season going into it, not, to not have him in the rotation early on would have been tough for them to, to overcome, I think, just because of the fact that there's so much anticipation for the season with the Mets. The last thing they needed was Harvey to be out.
1: And Harvey's healthy. He's going to pitch opening night, which is the most important aspect for the Mets. I wanted to touch on Harvey not speaking with members of the New York media. Personally, the way they treat him... I mean, he was him, frustrated. I don't have a problem with it, though, and I know some people are like, oh, it's New York. He's got to speak with the media, but you know what? Matt Harvey has given the media plenty of time over the years. He's taken a lot of crap from them when they've asked him questions. He's had to deal with a lot of things, and I understand, once again, it is New York. You're expected to handle yourself accordingly, but I think with something like this, with the amount of jokes being made at Harvey's expense, the guy had a very serious health scare, and the way the Mets made it seem and the way Harvey made it seem, he had no idea what it was until very recently when they released the information that it wasn't serious. This was something that could have been a huge deal. When you don't know why you have blood in your urine when you're going to the bathroom, that's a scary thing for someone to deal with, especially for someone that plays a professional sport for a living, and that's their livelihood, their body, and their ability to go out on the field and pitch every five days in Harvey's case. I didn't have an issue with Harvey being frustrated. I don't know how long it's going to last, if it's going to be a total media ban throughout the season. I don't see that happening. But Matt Harvey's shunning the media for a day—I don't blame him. If you saw any of the headlines of the local oh, they were papers disgusting. in New York, they were disgusting. They were all taking shots at and making urine jokes of and course. making piss but, jokes. But do you
0: expect anything less? I don't expect any. Do you expect anything anything different? I don't expect anything different from the New York media. They store a story. They saw a catchy headline they could put up to sell some papers. And this day and age, they need to try to sell some papers, so they're going to put stuff like that out on the out on the street and out in, as a headline in the front page in the back pages. So. I, for Harvey to get upset, yeah, I get it. I mean, it, it was a serious time, a serious thing that could have been serious that could have been pretty bad for Matt Harvey and the Mets and they dodged a huge bullet, but you know that's just papers trying to sell papers.
1: The typical New York media. I don't have a problem with it though, and I think overall, you look at Matt Harvey. He doesn't need the media. You know, he could just go right to the Players Tribune as the New York City. That's chi- right. Uh, what is he? The chief bureau of chief bureau whatever of, or yeah, whatever nonsense. I don't know. Whatever. His, He's oh. on
0: the board though. He's on the loves Derek. Uh, He's uh, on the board. all the
1: titles, all the titles. You can't forget about what Matt Harvey does with the Players Tribune, of course. But
0: the Players Tribune is becoming quickly um, the number one source to to get anything, any news from any players.
1: I just had to write a 15-page uh, research paper on uh, how social media affects athletes for my government and media class, which my producer, Jason Wexler— and, Of course. And Dan, you obviously know all too well about Absolutely. that paper. One of my sources in the paper, quote quoted the Players' Tribune. Well, it's It's revolutionizing the game. Well, it's
0: becoming – and at first it started out a few people writing in it, but just on a side note, I mean, everyone seems to be writing in the Players' Tribune. Every day I see a different athlete from all different sports writing in the Players' Tribune.
1: How about the email blast? I know you're a big fan of those. I I unsubscribed. Oh, you're not a member anymore? I
0: stopped. I couldn't take it anymore. I I was getting emails every day. I didn't think it would be an everyday occurrence. But
1: then it started just everyone's writing in the Players' Tribune. Well, the only time I will read the Players' Tribune, if something controversial breaks or a a big-time athlete writes something – then I'll take a look, but you know they're trying to do something different. I give them credit because, hey, you know they provided a platform it's that is athletes different. haven't had in the past. Obviously, with the adventation of social media, well, you're change in right. journalism. Yeah, absolutely, it's it is journalism, and and it's
0: I like what Derek has done with the Players Tribune. It's really rev- it is revolutionizing journalism. Never before have you seen a an athlete put a post like that. Um, in such a really a, a newspaper type online blog way it's it's very cool makes you closer to the players that's for sure brings you closer
1: to the athletes well, let's switch to the Yankees now Dan obviously their situation going into the season they were having kind of business as usual their main competition going into spring training was who was going to be the Yankees fit starter all of a sudden you know Yvonne Nova doesn't pitch all too well pitches well at the end of spring training but I really thought from the beginning as long as C.C. Sabathia made it through spring training and he was healthy, he was going to be the guy, just because of the fact that they're paying this guy $25 million oh, exactly. for the next two seasons. they might as seasons. well put him out there. You know, give him a chance. And I don't know if Ivan Nova uh, you know, or CeCe Sabathia, which one of them is better suited to pitch out of the pen. But you know, the idea that money doesn't play into anything, despite what the Yankees say. They want to see CeCe Sabathia pitch, especially because, A, he went to the alcohol rehab in the offseason, got his head at what seems like screwed on straight again. But even before the rehab, you know, that final month of September, Sabathia, I think, it was 2-1 and one with a very good ERA. His ERA was in the threes as compared to being in the high fours. Throughout the course of the regular season, so as long as Sabathia made it through spring training, he was going to be the fifth starter. They haven't named the fifth starter yet as we sit here and record this podcast, but I have to believe it's going to be CC. Oh, I'd be shocked at this if point. It.
0: I'd be shocked if it's not CC, just because Nova hasn't run away with it. You mentioned he's pitched better of late, and CC has kind of stayed afloat. And I agree, it's the money situation. They're paying him so much money for a fifth starter spot. He's more valuable as a fifth starter out of the bullpen. As a lefty, he's not. As a lefty out of the bullpen, where are you going to put him? He's going to be—is he going to be a mop-up guy? Also, where, he's where,
1: lost so much of his stuff. He can't just come in and exactly. blow people away anymore.
0: He's not. He's this is not the CC Sabathia that was the horse in 2008 for the Milwaukee Brewers. This isn't the CC Sabathia mm-hmm. that in 09 put a Yankees pitching staff on his back and carried them to a World Title. This is not that CC Sabathia. LCS
1: MVP and that, that, that postseason. Absolutely,
0: and this is not that same CC Sabathia. This is a. Uh, really a more—he has to be more creative with his pitches. He's got to have more uh, precision on his accuracy. This is not the type of pitcher I would want coming out of the bullpen. I think he's more suitable for that number five spot, and then you put a guy like Nova in the bullpen. Unless he gets really bad with CC, then you obviously have to consider making a change. But out of the, out of the get-go, out of the gate— you gotta go with CC as the number five starter. And then, I'd be shocked if it's not.
1: But then you look at this Yankees team, and that was the only real source of competition. The other story, of course, was going to be Chapman's, uh, you know, pending suspension. We now know it's going to be 30 games. Well, then and you thought, Miller. hey, you know, not a big deal. You have Andrew Miller and Dylan Betances, but Andrew Miller takes the fastball off his wrist in the first pitch at his final spring training tune-up, hits him in the wrist, and you find out, you know, later that day, bone chip in his wrist could miss some time. It's on his non-throwing hand, and did you hear Andrew Miller? He came out and said that he wants to pitch through it. He's going to give it a shot, and it just shows you how tough this guy is and how much this guy wants to be out there. First off, he takes a a reduced role because the Yankees bring in Chapman to be the closer. But now you look at Andrew Miller and the situation he's in. He's going to pitch through that chip at his hand. Rather than get the surgery and sit out, he's going to try and fight through it you got to give a lot of kudos to a guy that cares so much about winning, cares so much about the team, that's willing to play through a little bit of pain to help the Yankees win games. I have so much respect for Andrew Miller.
0: Absolutely, and I think he knows that the Yankees really need him because – this is not a situation where, when you don't have two of your horses, and what's a big part of the Yankees this year—the fact that they have a lockdown 7-8-9. Well, eight, that's nine. the
1: one component of the Yankees that's great. They have a decent you're right. offense. Well, that's they the thing. Have that's a, a their, that, rotation. Two thousand sixteen.
0: That is their bread and butter. Their bread
1: and butter is going to be the
0: back end of the bullpen. Get the get into the seventh inning now, at least for the first thirty games. You're not going to have a Chapman in there. The last thing the Yankees need is not to have Andrew Miller in there for twenty of those games or so, and only have Dylan Batantis in that bullpen. You built that bullpen around those three guys. You can live without one of them, but very tough for the Yankees. The way they're constructed, the way that bullpen is put together. To ride without Andrew Miller for any long period of time without Chapman in there.
1: And you have Batanzas, you have Miller, you mentioned no Chapman for the first 30 games, but Andrew Miller's a, a just, he's handled this situation from when the Yankees acquired a role as Chapman to now pitching through the injuries flawlessly. He's made it all about the team, nothing about himself, and you just got to respect a player that doesn't have an ego, and all athletes have egos, but, you know, Andrew Miller, to his credit, has said all the right things from start to finish. And, you know, when the reports came out, I think it was from John Heyman that he was going to try and, and pitch through this injury. I couldn't believe it. But then you think about it, you know, it's not his non-throwing hand. And if he can deal with the pain and it doesn't affect him when he's fielding the baseball from his position, you know, you've know, you got to give kudos to that guy. Because, Andrew Miller, you mentioned it, huge component to the Yankees, especially early on, without a role as Chapman for the first 30 games of the season.
0: Exactly. And the last thing the Yankees want is to fall behind early on and fall out, you know, five, six, seven games out of first place early on. They, they need to, to get – out of the gate, they need to have a fast start. Really, you look at that division. You got the Blue Jays, you have the Orioles, and then you obviously have the Red Sox. The Yankees really need to get off to a good start, and part of that is the fact that they're going to have at least Miller and, and Batanzas in that bullpen.
1: No question, and the Yankees bullpen has to be a strength. That has to be a main reason as to why they are, you know, a, a team that a went to the wild card last year, but also a team that a lot of people think could either come in first. Or can come and last. I don't think there's a team in baseball that has a really bigger disparity in what people think they might do, what people think they won't do. A lot of that has to do with health. A lot of it has to do with guys who've had underwhelming seasons, living up to the numbers on the back of their baseball card. But obviously, Andrew Miller in that bullpen's a huge piece, and that's why the Yankees need him to be healthy in order for them to have a successful season. And one other note to touch on before we toss the break, and we'll come back and we'll break down Nick Young being an idiot. But I'll tell you what, Dan, (laughs) you look at this Yankees team, Brian Mitchell was a guy that they were going to count on to kind of be that Adam Warren type of pitcher that they had last year. Well, Brian Mitchell has a toe injury and is probably going to miss the first couple months of the season. That's a blow to their bullpen. Mitchell was phenomenal last year before he took the fastball to his face, and he was having a great spring training. So it was tough to hear the news that he has this toe injury running the first base in a spring training start. And now... You know, the Yankees are going to be without a guy that they thought could be a meaningful pitcher in that bullpen, in addition to the big three, of course, Chapman, Patances, and, and Andrew Miller.
0: And that puts more pressure on the starting rotation, with had, which had a lot of question marks coming into the season. So, I mean, it seems like right now, you know it's a little stressful on the Yankees pitching staff just because of the fact, you know, you mentioned Mitchell and obviously Chapman early on, and we'll see how Miller is, even though he's going to pitch through it. He's still going to be facing severe pain in that hand. You know, they're going to have issues. But it's about how they work around those issues early on and at least milk their way through the first 30 games, get Chapman back. And I think that'll really be,
1: if there is an issue, the band-aid in their bullpen. Hard to believe baseball's back, but we're finally here. We're finally back. Uh, Off-season flew by. I think part of it, it was did. because you know we had a good football season. The Jets were relevant for most of it as two big Jets fans. But. The Knicks, was, Knicks stunk. Islanders are pretty good. It was
0: it, it has been a pretty quick baseball offseason. It's hard to believe the season starting right. And
1: now. part of it, I guess, maybe because we're in Los Angeles, we're it could busy have something every day. to do with it. Could have something it, to do with it. It flew by from our standpoint. Now I'm excited baseball's back and it all gets started Sunday night. Mets Royals opening night should be a fun time. I'm, I'm excited to have something on every day. And while we're in Los Angeles for. In the next month or so, games starting at 4 o'clock out there. Early here. on,
0: early, early first pitches here on the West Coast. And then we'll head
1: over to uh, Dodger Stadium at night and oh, watch a little course. Dodgers baseball. Oh, yeah,
0: absolutely. Nothing, nothing's like Dodger Stadium. We went there for Fan Fest a couple months ago, and to be there for a game is going to be fun. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. There's no doubt. It's going to be fun to, to have a Dodger dog, sit back, watch the game.
1: Have a good time. Have a good time. All right. Well, let's talk a little Nick Young right after the break. Nick Young, real... A real good guy, you know. Uh, he's a I, model. I, I don't think Nick Young thinks so. Yeah, no, probably not. But uh, D'Angelo Russell got himself into a bit of a mess. We'll certainly touch on the latest controversy surrounding the Lakers right after this. It's the Asmer Demuthic Show. unflippable unflappable, unleakable. The Gustbuster is the only umbrella that won't flip inside out, rip, tear, or leak. Capable of withstanding winds over fifty-five miles per hour. All of our umbrellas are constructed of the finest quality materials and backed by a limited lifetime guarantee. What are you waiting for? Visit gustbuster.com and get your GusBuster today.
0: From the East Coast to the West Coast, it's the Aspen & Budick Show from Los Angeles, California. The Asman and Budic Show is presented by Wings Over Ithaca and Gus Buster Umbrellas. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the Asman and Budic Show. Dan Budic alongside Jake Asman. Just talked a little Mets-Yankees. Getting ready for the baseball season starts up on Sunday night, but in the news the last couple days, the mess that is the Los Angeles Lakers Takes its course. Aren't you surprised? It just
1: isn't the Knicks. That takes was my first thought when the, the story court. came out. Like this is not the Knicks for once. Well, well
0: yeah, because it seems like the Knicks been in the headlines. Their coach is is is, is with players' wives. Their, co- their uh, interim coach, their interim coaches, favoriting tweets about pornography. I. It's
1: it's insane. It, it, the Knicks have been in the headlines with this garbage. I'm just surprised it wasn't the Knicks. That was my initial reaction. But then when you actually looked into the specifics it's, of the story. It's a ridiculous story. You know, it's one of, It is one—it is a story that could really destroy a locker room. and I, you know, Oh, everyone, I'm sure
0: it has already. Everyone,
1: but everyone's had their different opinions on it. All oh, the Lakers need to trade D'Angelo Russell. Well, well that's
0: why it's, it draws controversy in a locker room because I'm sure every player in that locker room has a different but opinion. But my
1: biggest take with this story is it almost seems like people are just overlooking the fact that Nick Young immediately just cheated on his fiancée. Well, I th- I, and you're, you're
0: right. You're right. He did, which is a horrible thing, and and as you know, anyone with principles, it's a terrible thing. You know, he there's Nick Young should not be cheating on his wife. It's not the right thing to do. But let's face the facts: a lot of professional athletes which, cheat on their wife, but lives. it doesn't
1: make it right. No, and, and it, it almost it, seems like oh, he cheated on his wife. Let's ignore that and make fun of the 19 year old no, kid.
0: You're right. It it's not right, but at the same time, De, it's none of D'Angelo Russell's business what Nick Young is doing, and he should not be videotaping him and sending something out that personal that. Um, deep that no one needs to see, no Lakers fan, no basketball reporter, no one needs to see and know about Nick Young's personal life. No,
1: I agree a hundred percent. What um, what D'Angelo Russell did is wrong. It, what he did is is unacceptable in any form. You know, he, you know, breaks bro code, man. And I get it. You're not supposed to do well, it's that. It's not
0: bro code. It's just it's a it's it's a horrible thing, especially for a teammate.
1: Of course, but I just feel like we're taking away from the aspect of Nick Young is a 30 year old basketball player. He's been in the league for years, and he's constantly involved. In different immature situations. Just last week, we had the story about you know the supposed uh, sexual harassment out of the car. Nick Young was involved in the Gilbert Arena situation well, no one, with no the one, guns. But, no one, but no one stupid. is
0: exonerating Nick Young here. I just think it takes a backseat to the fact that what is the issue that's affecting the Lakers on the court? It's not that Nick Young is cheating on his wife. The issue that is going to affect the Lakers on the court and the players in that locker room is the fact that D'Angelo Russell took a video and put it out there. Yes. that's what's going to affect the team on the court. But
1: D'Angelo Russell is the future of this team. That's the whole thing. It's like well, he's a if, if kid, he is the
0: future of this team, he's got to be smarter than. Kobe this. Bryant snitched on Shaq once. Yeah, I don't
1: see anyone blaming Kobe Bryant. We've had plenty of issues. Well, in look, small- at,
0: look, well look at look at Kobe Bryant now. You're, you're taking a situation—yeah, if D'Angelo Russell if works past this and ends up becoming to the stature of Kobe Bryant, I would say, yeah, you're right. But well, that's matured. my take
1: on this. People got to relax a little bit because when you look at it from it the standpoint— It can destroy a locker room. Yeah,
0: though. it can, but look at the Lakers' team.
1: No, you're They're right. They're all one-year contracts. Kobe's on his retirement tour. He's he, gone you know in what? seven games. I
0: don't think that—that's not even the—you're right, but it's not the point. The point is that D'Angelo Russell, as a— Man, and as a, first of all, as a teammate, and as someone who's now playing—not at college, not in high school—but he's playing at the professional level and getting paid. And he's a public image. He was a high draft pick. He's got to put himself in better positions. Has he, can't he make not handled kind of himself
1: decision. well since this incident? Though well, I, I kind of feel—I well, like— think he's been coached up pretty. Am well. I wrong to feel bad for D'Angelo Russell a little bit? I mean, he's a 19-year-old I don't kid feel making a mistake. For him at all. We're a year older than D'Angelo Russell. You know, I, I'm 20 years old. You just turned 21. We're not that much older than D'Angelo Russell. What he did was stupid. But at the same time, can I kill a kid that's a 19-year-old for making a mistake? You can, and what he did is wrong. I'm not condoning it. But I think a couple things with this story. A, we're overlooking the fact that Nick Young is just admittedly admitting Oh, I don't think anyone's
0: overlooking that. I just think it doesn't affect the Lakers at all.
1: No, but it does affect the Lakers from the standpoint of that when this thing gets out and you're putting D'Angelo Russell in a situation where, hey, he shouldn't have been taking that video in the first place, but now all the blame is going on this kid. When Meanwhile, he said all the right things. He's handled it well. You know, I kind of— you know, excuse me if I'm wrong here. I feel a little bad for D'Angelo Russell. I just think it's a 19-year-old kid making a mistake. And then I look at it from the standpoint of Nick Young. Nick Young is always involved in immature situations. This guy's 30. He's got to get away from this Lakers team. D'Angelo Russell was the guy that they took second overall in the draft last year. He's the guy that they're counting on to be their future. And you know what? He's had a pretty good rookie year. And if he plays well and continues to develop, I think he can get past this you're, situation. You're right. You I don't can. buy the whole idea, Dan. Where oh, they Lakers, they need to trade. No, D'Angelo I, I don't think now. they need to trade him. That's but I ridiculous. Think, I don't
0: think they need to trade him. But I think just the fact that I think when you play in the NBA, you see a lot of things. You see different. You're, you're around different people. You're with players sometimes from different countries. You're with players of different ethnicities, of different race, and you're come together and you're a team in a locker room. You know, you're you're going to see different things. You're going to see players. You're going to move around the league. You meet different people, and I think people have come to ex- players have come to ex- come to expect and uh, I think accept that every player is different. You know what? If if someone on the Lakers is cheating on their wife, and, and no one needs to know about it. You know, it doesn't need to—the it, it, people that need to know about it are the people that Nick Young's going to tell. It doesn't need to get out to the public, and I think that's where D'Angelo Russell's in the wrong here. I think he, he as a professional athlete and as someone in the public eye, he really should have thought of the consequences of not just for himself or his relationship with Nick Young, but the team that
1: selected him in the first round of the NBA draft as a lottery pick. It's something that he's going to have to overcome, but it's at the same time. I don't think we're in a situation here where the Lakers have to trade him. Agree. No to way. Move. Of he's their not. future. Nick Young is a thirty-year-old player that's been on a bunch of teams in his NBA career and hasn't had any. They're real not going to trade D'Angelo Russell. Kobe Bryant's gone. Nick Young is gone. You know, Roy Hibbert will be gone. You look at this Lakers no, they're, they're team. They're going to build around Russell. They committed it, to that it, when they drafted it, him. But that's why whole point. It's like you don't get rid of this guy just because he made a mistake. I'm not going to listen. What I'll say this again. What D'Angelo Russell did is wrong but you know coming from the standpoint of a 20-year-old, you know, kid, people make mistakes. Imagine if social media was around back in the 90s. You know, LeBron was in the news recently because he unfollowed the Cavs on Twitter. What controversy would have been surrounding Michael Jordan if social media was around in the 90s? You know, this D'Angelo Russell situation is terrible and I am not condoning what he did. But I just think all the the sports media pundits, all the talking heads saying that you should trade D'Angelo Russell and, oh, the locker room would never be the same. You know what? If D'Angelo Russell goes out there and helps the Lakers win games in the future, the fans will forgive him. And, oh, yeah, the other night, the night at the, 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 you know, the game after all this controversy, they beat the Heat in overtime, and D'Angelo Russell had a big three in that overtime period to help them win the game. And you know what? Lakers fans cheered him, and his teammates supported him. If you help the team win, and you handle yourself properly, America believes in second chances, especially in You're sports. Right. I'm not, I'm not going to slam D'Angelo I'm Russell not gonna here. S-
0: I'm not going to slam him either from the standpoint of he should be traded. I-, I don't think so at all. I think the Lakers are committed to building a team around him for the future after 2016. What I think... Is just that he, he made a terrible mistake, and he, he made a mistake that as someone in the public eye and as someone that is around uh, athletes and, and are going to be around different people for probably the next 15 to 20 years if he has a successful NBA career, he's got to make better decisions. I mean, take any player I mean, and, and put them in a situation where they do something like that. They're going to lose the respect of their teammates. It's natural. They're going to lose the respect of their teammates and maybe even some of the coaching staff.
1: Now, what do you think of the idea that a lot of people mixed opinions on this, Kobe Bryant just spoke out and made a statement? Me personally... Kobe is on his way out seven games left apparently he spoke to D'Angelo Russell Russell said that Kobe gave him some good advice that's all Kobe has to do at this point it's it's still his team because he's Kobe Bryant but Kobe understands where he's at he signed that two-year deal that's winding down you know he had to come out of the game against the against the heat the other night wearing all the the wrap on his arms and his legs knowing that you know what he can't go anymore Kobe's on his way out we all know this I don't have a problem with Kobe Bryant not holding a press conference to defend D'Angelo Russell. I don't think that's his place anymore.
0: Well he could have come out and said something I don't know about holding a press conference. But that's what people want him to do. No, I don't think he should have done that, but he could have come out and made a comment about it, but he didn't. It's really I don't think that's a relevant I don't think that has any relevancy to the story. I think just the story consists of truly Nick Young and the Lakers and of course D'Angelo Russell and the decision he made that he, you know, obviously regrets. So a lot goes into it. It's it's a very complex and probably at least For the next week, the rest of the season, two weeks, two and a half weeks, whatever it is left in the NBA season, that's going to be a tender situation in a very delicate locker room.
1: In Los Angeles, and the good news for the Lakers is, hey, they're terrible. When well, the season's se- over. The Season's oh, over. yeah, came and at, it, at a good time, actually. What's my oh, well, one of my biggest sayings? And it, came in a good. If this something like this is going to happen with seven games left, time heals all wounds. It really does. And D'Angelo Russell's a young kid. He's going to have a whole off season to go to get over this. You're right. And same with a lot of the Lakers. The Lakers are going to have an entirely new roster for the most part going into training camp next season. Free agency going to come, and you know another point that people have made: will this affect players wanting to go to the Lakers? And I don't buy that, especially with the I don't way. Think so. So. D'Angelo Russell has handled the situation. He said all the right things. He's accepted it. He's owned it. You know, I, I honestly, I've said this, said this earlier. I feel bad for the guy. He's a 19-year-old kid that made a stupid mistake. How many mistakes have we made at you're that right. age? And no, that people all no, around the country have right, made at that age. You
0: are held to a higher standard when you are in the public eye. You are. That you are. And
1: he's going to have to live with that. That's this right. This will something that will go. always be with him. But to kill him and say, "Oh, no one's going to want to play well, that's, with him." That's the media. That,
0: that's the garbage of the media. Well, is going
1: to put that out. there. When that's our job on this podcast to say, no, hey, you, you know right. what? That is garbage, and it's just not true." No,
0: it's it, it is garbage to a certain extent. I do think that is going to be. A, I do think there are players in that locker room that do not trust D'Angelo Russell right now. And you're right. Time wounds. T- uh, time heals the wounds, and it really comes down to how many of those players are going to even be on the team next year. But. Uh, That's a story for a different day, but the bottom line is I'm sure it, it hurt some relationships in that locker room. It had to have. It had to have,
1: and at the end of the day, you look at the Lakers' situation. It's what you just said. Season's over in seven season's games. Season's over in
0: seven games, and then you know, I the off coming at a good time for D'Angelo Russell. It People really forget about this. Can you imagine
1: this happened at the beginning of a season? Oh my God, it would have been a it'd story be a, for months. But it'd be a much bigger story.
0: Well, it would be. It would be a headline of the whole season. Exactly, because yeah. it'd
1: be something surrounding the team the whole time. We'd be breaking it down. How does it affect the Lakers' future? You're right. It, it can't come at a better time for the Lakers. If it's going to
0: happen, you, it better. You know, you might as well have it with seven games to go, where it really can't affect your long term. At least w- right now.
1: Let's switch to a new segment here, the top three. Top three. A lot of different uh, stories to touch on. We wanted to make sure we get it in this in this podcast, rather than just focusing on a couple of them. We'll kinda go a little bit around here. And the first story I wanted to talk about, Dan, was the, the John Jones situation. I'm sure you saw the video. Course. I'm sure most Course. people listening to this podcast saw the video that TMZ released of John Jones uh, getting arrested mm-hmm. for apparently drag racing. I'm gonna be honest with you, with the first time I saw the video I thought the cop was a little bit out of line. I really did. I thought that he incited John Jones to get a lot angrier than he had to be. And I don't think Jones, as a public figure, handled the situation right as well. He's got to be able to keep his cool. If you haven't seen the video, go quickly to TMZ, Google it, you'll see it. I mean, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. So we're going to assume most people have seen it. But honestly, from the standpoint of John Jones, he's got to handle himself better. But. Would you think I thought the cop kind of incited he knew who John Jones he, he was did. and the he co- tried no, to no. get him to get angry and have that reaction.
0: You're right. You're right. The cop did try to incite him but the bottom line is Jones made a, a made it very clear that he didn't it became like a you know you were drag racing. You weren't drag racing. You were and then it kind of you know that goes on for so long and then it kind of escalated up uh, to something more. But I agree. I think the cop was a little out of line but I think Why do we keep seeing John Bones Jones in these situations? He keeps coming up in these situations. The last year, this guy has not made a good decision. No, he Really. I mean, this is a guy that a year and a half ago was on the top of the UFC world. He was the man. He was the UFC. He was buying people drinks in an Ithaca bar. I mean, he was. He was, dude, he was the guy for UFC. Now it's Conor McGregor and if people forget about Jones. Well, he kind of gets hit the back burner because he's made mistakes. This guy was gonna be the most commonal leader. The last year and a half. I mean, the guy has just made bad decision after bad decision. And yes, if this was an isolated incident incident, I would say, and I and I didn't know anything about John Bones Jones and things he's done in the last year, I would say, you know what, the cop was out of line. But the bottom line is he can't be keep putting himself in these stupid situations. I mean, this guy was the face of a sport for a while. He's gotta be smarter
1: than that, and he just hasn't learned. I think that's the problem with this. And you made a great point. And we didn't know anything about John Jones. I think we'd have his back here. Absolutely. But, you know, the problem is this guy's been in so many issues, from running away at the scene of an accident to getting caught the with cocaine, cocaine. Oh my to god! To vi- constant traffic violation. Just last week, he got I mean, caught
0: for driving without a license. So, so how many incidents has it been? So let's because there's been some minor
1: incidents. He's had at least four or five incidents. Big or small, the last six months, and he got suspended from the UFC, lost his title belt. He some thought he might go to prison. The problem with this latest incident is he was already on probation, so any ticket that he gets, like this drag racing ticket, and I think he got you know you know a couple other tickets in addition to the one that the cop pulled him over for, just because of the way he reacted, the cop gave him other tickets as well. You well, know, that's what happens when you piss off a cop. You no, know, exactly. He's facing You're prison right. time, and if he gets charged as a felony, he will go to prison. I'm sure he'll be able to get out of it, but it puts his fight with Cormier next month in when is Vegas. That month, May uh, I think it's April 23rd. Uh, April it's going to be at the MGM Grand in Vegas. It's going to be, you know, the rematch. Obviously, Cormier is the interim so champion. So would they
0: put another fighter in Bones' place?
1: They would have to, but right now well, it looks they got to like,
0: decide soon. Well, this, I mean, you got to have some pre- preparation so for they, a fight.
1: The UFC is waiting to see what the status is going to be. But you look at Jon Jones from the standpoint it's hard to give this guy the benefit of the doubt but I will say as we wrap up this story here I thought the cop was a little bit over the top but you made the point and you're right the way John Jones has conducted himself over the last Disgusting, year and a half. Really. You know, he's hurt his reputation. He's he, not gonna get he, the benefit of it. It's amazing
0: doubt. because he was like no one had a bad thing to say about him before the original incident with the hit and run happened.
1: I mean, we personally met him because he's he from was, Ithaca and, and he was, he was really was nice. A
0: very nice guy. And that's the thing, is such a nice guy, but really he's had a rough he's had just about as rough as a year as any athlete has had. Really. I mean, it's just been incident after incident, he doesn't seem to learn that he's got to straighten himself out if he wants to be uh, in this sport long-term.
1: And at a time when UFC's popularity is rising to levels we've never seen it before, it just got legalized in New York as well. He's obviously, him and Chris Wyvern, the two top fighters from New York, just a bad time for all this to really be happening to a guy that you know. I said this before; really w- was looked at as the Muhammad Ali of his sport. That's how dominant John Jones was. He was,
0: and it's it's a shame that his just his reputation has just really been tarnished the last year. And he has taken. I mean, he has his reputation has really taken a hit the last year. More so than a lot of athletes. I mean, not I'm not I don't want to compare it to a Rod, but. The, the um, his reputation, the way a Rod's reputation was restored the last year, John Bones Jones's reputation was destroyed in the same fashion, the same amount of time.
1: You're absolutely right. About lo- that.
0: I mean, people look at John Bones Jones as a villain now.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's he becoming for- a villain of UFC. Yeah, no, I, I think what he's been able to. Do the over the past year and a half, it's really ruined what was looked it at. really is a shame as the, the golden boy of the UFC, but that's where we are right now. We'll see if that fight happens next month. Let's move on now. Mike and the Mad Dog Dan too. They're back. Two oh, of the guys baby. that we grew up with. I and, love them. You know that show was one of the reasons why I've wanted to pursue a career Absolutely. in sports talk radio. Those guys were a lot of people were must listen radio every day for 19 years. They recently had a reunion show. They sold out Radio City. They had Tom Coughlin on, Bobby Valentine, Jeff Van Gundy, and the reason why we talk about the story is A, because we love Mike and the Mad Dog. We grew up listening to them on, and watching their simulcast on Yes. But Ryan Fitzpatrick was in the audience and Chris Russo went out of his Game way. way. Yep. Say, hey, fine, sign the contract, Fitzy. Yeah, Fitzy, you got to re-sign the contract there. Terrible Mad Dog impersonation. <laughs> but you know what I mean? So Ryan Fitzpatrick's still a free agent, but how about Chris Russo trying to get Ryan Fitzpatrick in front of all those people at Radio City Musical to sign? What better, what better time? Was that not great? I thought that was amazing.
0: What better time? Hopefully, you know it comes through. But just to see Mike and the Mad Dog back together, you know it's been really it's been since August of two thousand eight that they haven't been together. Maybe early September, sometime around that time that they haven't been together. It really is unbelievable that uh, it's been that long, but it was great to see them back together. We, you know, I missed it live. We obviously didn't see it live, but I saw some videos, and it looked like an unbelievable event. Really, really would well love to have been there.
1: Out in full force, all those oh, guys from of course. Uh, Mongo Nation the I years,
0: think- The years, the following that that show has, and really the the gateway it had for sports talk radio, especially in New York. I mean, a lot of people owe their careers to that
1: show. And for anyone listening to this podcast that is a big sports talk radio fan, I really recommend you check out Chris Carlin of SNY. His timeline kind of—he was live tweeting the Mike yep. and the Mad Dog reunion. Carlin used to be their producer. Now he works for SNY. He used to work for FAN as a host as well. He tweeted the story out about how he was able to get Alex Rodriguez on their show, and I think in spring training of two thousand two. Got like almost 200 retweets, a ton of favorites, really good story about what was it like to produce the most successful sports talk radio show of all time. So if you want some info on Mike and the Mad Dog and The Reunion, check out Chris Carlin's timeline. His stories about what he had to deal with producing that show were just hilarious, great stories. And Check it out if you're into sports a talk lot radio. And a lot of guys
0: have come from that show, have, has blossomed into radio hosts and into in this business, Sports Talk Radio, because of that show. That was really the gateway for a lot of people's careers, including, you know, guys like You mentioned Carlin, Mark Melusis, A lot of guys, especially on
1: WFAN in New York, have come from that show. And just the way you look at the show and how it it really changed sports talk radio. Up until that point, it never had that real back and forth where you had two guys that were on for five and a half hours a day debating sports and their personalities completely different. Different, but that's what made them great. The fact that they didn't always agree, and you actually felt like when you were listening to their show that there was some genuine distaste for what each other had to say. There obviously was. You know, there were certain points where uh, you find out afterwards. They didn't talk to each other for months and then had some fights near the end. And eventually, Russo signs with Sirius. He leaves the company of FAN. But Francesca's remained number one in the ratings. Russo's getting paid a boatload of money at Sirius. And, you know, as Sports Talk Radio fans, it was great to see them up on that stage. And it seems like the chemistry really never left.
0: Well, and I think that's something that is going to be there always. And Michael has always said when he's commented on a reunion or getting back together with Dog that he expected when they got back together, that back and forth excuse me, that chemistry would be back. And, it, you know, from what I saw it was, and I wouldn't expect anything else. I mean, they, they did it for 19 years, close to 20 years together. So, and, and what a job they did. I mean, that show is just
1: one of the great r- sports talk radio shows of all time. No question. Final story, Dan, this is a good one. If you followed us on Twitter, at Jake Asman. Oh, we were talking Dan about it a couple days ago. Yeah, we got into this a little bit. New York State, is apparently getting rid of algebra. Not just New York State, actually. America might get rid of algebra. New studies come out that say only 5% of jobs need it, and millions drop out of school when they fail ninth grade algebra. I know in your situation, Dan, Algebra 2 Trig, it was a struggle Well, that's for what both gave me. Us. Algebra 2 Trig was what gave me. 10th grade, that's what gave me a 10th grade, the New York State Regions exam, which for those listening out of state, not in the state of New York, the Regions exam is the statewide test that you have to take in every subject. You didn't pass, Dan. I passed with a 66, and that was the hardest subject I ever took, and I was proud to get that 66. We're moving on, baby. I was able to keep on going through. Listen, geometry was tough. Jason Wexler, our producer, he said he failed that, but I don't think anything was quite like Algebra 2, Trig. I struggled with it. I didn't have a good teacher for it. It was a nightmare, and Getting out of that class with a 66 was one of the most reward- – I kid you not, one of the most rewarding feelings of my entire life. I can believe it. And it was a, ho- I it was just a very wish- difficult class. I just wish I lived in an America where I wouldn't have to take that class. Could you imagine? I really can't.
0: It would have been nice not to have to take that class.
1: Algebra's your trick. A nightmare class. Only 5% of jobs require the formula oh, it's horrible. for uh, algebra in the job. Now, you want to take a guess which jobs those are?
0: Algebra teachers, algebra professors, anything related to Director algebra and teaching. Director of algebra operations. Yeah, I mean, there's basically no jobs. Basically,
1: that's kind of like uh, you know, what was the what's the uh, the major where it's like the only job you can get with this major is a teacher in that. Well, that's major? Like history. Is that history? A lot of people say that about history I, and writing. Oh yeah, what can you do with a history degree? Well, you could
0: you could teach history. <laughs> you yeah, what, what I mean? can you do with a writing degree? Well, not the only thing you could do. Well, the stereotype is only thing writers can do is they'll either write a book or. They will be a writing.
1: Teacher. What about a sports studies uh, degree from Ithaca English. College? People
0: say that not about writing, excuse me, about English majors. Sports studies too Ithaca College.
1: Sports studies at Ithaca College. What can you do? Well, you can teach sports studies at Ithaca College. Not anymore though. They're getting rid of it. <laughs> well, it's a shame. Real shame. <laughs> I feel very bad for the it's people involved.
0: Me too. But what are you going to do? Yeah, right, we'll get them next time.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's you know, it's one of those things. Got to make cuts. Sometimes majors got to be cut. <laughs> And uh, I think the college is going in a different direction for those who get the reference we're alluding to. but Sports studies. Listen, we're out of time, man. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, as always. Another
0: show. It's been a few weeks, but nice to get back on the grind. And only a few weeks, a few shows left here
1: in, in Los Angeles. Yeah, only about to, three, four weeks left. It's hard to believe we sit here. It's already almost April. It's the last day of March as yep. we sit down and record this podcast. And baseball is coming soon. Next time we come back, baseball will be on the air. We'll yep. have a whole new uh, bunch of topics to really to really touch on. and. Start diving into the NFL draft coming up. So it's a good time in sports right now with playoffs starting for basketball, playoffs starting for hockey. And we said it at the beginning of the show, Yankees Baseball, and Mets, Mets are back, and NFL draft coming up as well. So it's yeah, a good time weeks, for sports was, right now.
0: Yeah, two and a half, three and a half weeks till the NFL draft.
1: Does your out. Met pessimism start, or are you optimistic going into the season? Um, t- talk to
0: me at the end of April. All
1: right, well. Stick with us here on the Asmund Show. Yeah, seriously,
0: talk to me at the end of April.
1: You'll find out every step of the way. But for Dan Budic, I'm Jake Asmund. Thanks to our producer, Jason Wexler, for helping us out with this episode. W, baby, W. Jason Wexler, great man. Follow us on Twitter, at Jake Asmund, at Dan Budick, and keep up with the show at at Asmund Budic Show. You can like us on Facebook as well. We post all our good content on there. But thanks for joining us for another episode of the podcast. So long, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to the Aspen and Budic Show. To keep up with the guys, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter with the handle at Aspen